Netflix to Doom tells us that Bradley Cooper describes Leonard Bernstein's music as the nuclear weapon of the movie maestro. I figured it was mine to mess up, he said. Just the breadth of it, how diverse it is, and how moving it is. Cooper worked hard to capture Bernstein and his work, not just as a filmmaker, but also as an actor playing the composer himself. The film's grand musical finale depicts Bernstein's real-life conducting of a Mahler symphony in the Ely Cathedral, a physically demanding performance that Cooper spent much of the production preparing for. Cooper came to the Metropolitan Opera to watch rehearsals, and he sat in the pit to watch me conduct a few performances, said Yannick Nézé-Séguin, music director of the Metropolitan Opera and maestro conducting consultant, what I needed to do was to guide him with how it relates exactly with the orchestra in real time. When it came to filming the climactic orchestral performance, Cooper threw his entire body into the scene, as Bernstein would have wanted. One of my favorite Bernstein quotes is, I need to conduct with every part of my body, with my shoulders, with my wrists, with my knees, Nézé Séguin said. So many conductors just stopped with their wrists. Bernstein conducted like he lived, with everything he had all at once, his shoulders, wrists, and knees flying off in every direction. So the film's musical climax is that extraordinary six-minute take of Cooper conducting the London Symphony Orchestra in Mahler's Resurrection Symphony. Unfortunately, the first day was terrifying, and it was horrendous because I kept messing up and because we were doing it live, Cooper told Classic FM. And then luckily, I think all the years of preparation paid off. Something magical happened in that take, and that's what's in the movie. If I were to recall it, that take felt like I was levitating above the orchestra like 10 feet, like angled over them. It was very surreal, the actor added. It just felt special and ritualistic. That from Classic FM. We have a chance to experience that remarkable scene in the context of the whole film, Maestro is one of 20 films to be screened in 21 days as part of Winterfest 2024, running February 16th through March 7th at the Dietrich Theater in Tunkhannock. Ronnie Harvey, general theater manager and film booker at the Dietrich, stopped in for his quarterly conversation about the movies on offer and about whether there seem to be any common themes among them. It's actually quite interesting. I've noticed as I've gone on, there was one theme and then another theme popped up and then another theme popped up. And some people told me about that I didn't realize were there. But the first one that I immediately was drawn to was the fact that a lot of the stories are male protagonists, which is not typical. Typically, movies that are, are being told and that get in film festival have more of a female edge to them. And that it, there is no intention behind having all of these that have male leads. But then not only is it male-led films, but they're also films about groupings or a team of people coming together of men, especially to overcome some adversity or of some kind in like the sporting world. 
which is not necessarily something that we even do here either most of the time. Usually it's about the first female person that did this or the first, but this isn't about necessarily the first. This is just an indication of of things or groups that came together to overcome something that they themselves were realizing was something that was holding them back. Our opening night film is The Boys in the Bow. That's based on the popular book. Uh, It's directed by George Clooney. And it's about a team of rowers for the University of Washington right before World War II was about to break out, right before all of that, all of that tension was going on. And it's about nobody believing in them and them realizing that they needed to do this for country, for themselves, for the future. They, they wanted to make make a statement. And so they face all this adversity, but they, of course rise above. They're the rowing team. They're going to do great things together. That's followed up with Next Goal Wins, which is a similar story, but told in a more quirky way. Taika Waititi, he is very famous for What We Do in the Shadows. He did one of the Thor films. He's also very popular right now, recently on HBO Max with Our Flag Means Death. He's done a lot of, of quirkier content. And this is a true story of a Samoan soccer team. And they are famous for having the worst game of all time. I think, I don't know if it says here, oh, 31 and 0. <laughs> and it's the story of a man who comes, who he's a surly coach, and he is kind of despondent and doesn't care about the sport anymore. And he gets sent to help this team, and he thinks they're worthless. And of course, it's them coming together, finding companionship, finding that they both are dealing with struggles and trying to overcome this legacy that they have of being the worst team of all time. But it's a comedy. And I was lucky enough to see that. I've seen four of these already, which is not typical for me, but that was a quirky, lovely, sweet, sentimental, beautiful little movie. But when I thought about those two movies, I kind of paired them. But then The Iron Claw also deals with, it's a group of wrestlers. They are brothers. And it's a true story, again, about the adversity that they faced trying to reach the standards that their father put them under because the father was their manager. And it's the true and also tragic story of how they rose to fame and what that costs and and how they could never fully reach the expectations that were put upon them. So that kind of plays into that same vein. And then Ferrari (laughs) is not a group of men, but it is one man in the sporting world, uh, Enzo Ferrari, who everything's going wrong in his life at the time. And so he stakes everything on this thousand mile race in Italy. And there's another indication of this interesting sporting world thing that's going on here, which is not something that we typically would see in film festival. And and I, I don't know what they're trying to say, what the world is trying to say, but I can speak to one of them because I saw it, but I can speak to all of them. They've all been getting rave reviews across the board. And I also noticed a theme of fantasy a little bit, which doesn't normally also come into the film festival. Three of the films that I'm speaking of, one, The Boy and the Heron, that is an animated film. It was nominated for Best Animated Film at this year's Oscars, I believe. Hayao Miyazaki has decided that it's going to be his final film. Hayao Miyazaki is very famous for Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away, these very high art Japanese animated films. And that deals with a boy whose family, his parents have died, and he gets this call from this heron 
who leads him into this mountainous region where this fantastical world of creatures and whatnot exists and how that's somehow linked to his past and the events that happened there. So that's something that we don't normally try. Animated films are hard to get to because adults tend to think that animated films are only for kids. And that is really not the case. Animated films, especially this one, are done with a fantastical lens, but they're made for an adult audience, a discerning audience that that sees so much more in the world than just a Disney movie. That in and of itself, Disney movies are also great. There's something for adults in all of those, but this is a kind of movie that's made for adults. Dream Scenario uh, stars Nicolas Cage and I kind of liken it to a comedic take on A Nightmare on Elm Street. And I know that probably sounds, you're kind of like, whoa, wait a minute. But the story follows this everyday teacher who all of a sudden people start coming up to him and telling him, you were in my dream last night. And so you're seeing all of these dreams that these people are having, and he's not doing anything to them. He's just there in their dreams, people that he doesn't know. And so it becomes this nationwide thing where everyone is dreaming he's in their dreams and then it starts to morph where he does start to do do things and is involved more in that dream. And so it's it's a look at viral fame in a fantastical way and what that does to a person and how it changes who they are because they become famous and they think they're the but then how easily that can shift and turn against the tide because in the beginning it's cute and fun and everyone likes it. But as it continues to steamroll, it turns into something else. But it's a comedic take on Nightmare on Elm Street, in my opinion. (laughs) And the third fantasy film, I actually had the pleasure of going to the New York Film Festival and seeing. I have a friend who works at Lincoln Center. And so he got me some tickets to some films and all of us strangers. It's the story of a man who's in his mid-30s and he sees another man outside his window and they eventually meet each other and they fall in love. And then he thinks about what his parents, because his parents are both dead as well. He thinks about what his parents would think about him, where he is in his life. And he goes back to his childhood home and there his parents are. And he's able to interact with them. Now, we can discuss if that's really happening or if that's in his imagination at a different time after you've seen it. But... The movie is kind of asking the question, what would you do if you were able to spend time with your loved ones again? What would you ask them? Would anything change in your life? Would you change who you are and what you've done, even though these people are no longer with us? So it's another fantasy element that plays in, and it's a beautiful movie. Another little cluster that that popped up that we didn't, didn't see beforehand. There are some pretty fine actors among these films. Yeah. So I'll start with uh, Holdovers with Paul Giamatti because I had the privilege of seeing that as well. And I, I, I was quoted in the paper about this, but I'll say the exact same thing. I will say that Barbie might have been the highest grossing film of the year. Oppenheimer might have been the most technically sound and biggest surprise of the year. But the best movie of the year of 2023 was The Holdovers, hands down. I said it was like a warm hug on the coldest day. It was a beautiful movie about people that are stuck on a college campus together over the holidays that don't have anywhere to go and all they have is each other. And it's about these intertwining stories and about why they're stuck there by themselves and how each of them restore the faith in each other and help and help each other understand that they're not alone in the world. I 
absolutely adored the movie from start to finish. Dave, I enjoy Randolph, and Paul Giamatti did an amazing job. And I'm pretty positive if you come back to this interview after the Oscars, they'll win. They will have won the Academy Awards. And you've made it one of the opening night films. This is our second opening night film. Yes, absolutely. I cannot, I cannot heap any more praise on The Holdovers, my favorite movie of the year. I see here in the brochure that you've scheduled The Holdovers a number of times, many, many times. Oh, absolutely. That one especially. We have like 10 shows. You can see that throughout because we knew that that one would be exceptionally popular. And then Freud's Last Session, uh, it stars Anthony Hopkins and Matthew Good, And it follows C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Chronicles of Narnia and Sigmund Freud. And it's about them sitting down with each other and debating the existence of God and how those two minds together coming together. I can only imagine how the debate's going to go. But it stars Anthony Hopkins and Matthew Good, and they're both fantastic actors. We know our listeners love it when you're able to schedule films centering on music, and you have a few. That was the third theme that I was kind of going to talk about. That was the third one that I didn't realize until the last minute. I believe there are three films here that kind of dive into the musical world. One, Maestro. I mean, obviously, um, Leonard Bernstein. It stars Bradley Cooper, Carey Mulligan. It's fantastic. It's another one that I've seen. I actually say that while Bradley Cooper is the quote-unquote maestro in the movie, that Carrie Mulligan's character, the plays his wife, is the real maestro of the events because she understands what's going on. She gets it all. And it's about his life, the, the secretive life that he was leading, but it wasn't so secret to her. She, she knew. And so that's why she's the maestro in this story. And, and, you know, wonderful, wonderful music throughout, a wonderful performance. And then Joan Baez, I Am a Noise, is a documentary about Joan Baez. And it follows, it's, it's a very open and honest documentary. She talks about things that she has never spoke about before, her relationship with Bob Dylan and how she felt that she felt betrayed and, and lost after it happened, her activism work with MLK, and then the rich history of music that she's brought us throughout the years. And, and she talks very openly and candidly about is this the end of my career? What do I what what do I want to say now? What's left? And so that's gonna be wonderful. And then Piano Forte is another documentary, and that follows the biggest international Chopin piano competition. So it follows all of these young pianists coming together to compete to win the top prize at the biggest. It's in Warsaw, Poland, and it happens every five years. So it's like a rare behind-the-scenes look at what goes on and how they compete, and they're probably very um, competitive and very hardworking and very strict. So I look forward to watching that as well. So those three, all, all it's another theme that we don't see until the last minute when it's put together. You're going to have 20 films in 21 days, so that's a huge number. Pick one more to tell us about, please. I mean, Anatomy of a Fall. If I were to pick one more movie to talk about, it would be Anatomy of a Fall. It's not one that I've seen, but I know that everyone's talking about it. It's an interesting little tidbit. This year, it's not in the international feature, which is so weird. It's not It's not in the international feature category because it was not submitted by the country that it came from, which is so interesting. It ended up being nominated for Best Picture altogether. So we have two this year that is very unheard of to have two international features be in the Best Picture race. But it stars Sandra Huller, and it's the story of a couple who is going through some kind of conflict, and he ends up dead. 
fallen off the roof of the house. And so it's kind of a courtroom drama, and it's very much, well, did he fall or was he pushed? And then it's this escalating tension throughout of finding out which way did it happen, who did it, and why. And so you're left throughout the whole film not knowing exactly who did it or if it was done in the first place. So it's one of those tense courtroom courtroom dramas, but by all intents and purposes, it is getting stellar reviews. I wouldn't be surprised if it surprises at the Academy Awards and wins Best Picture. I wouldn't be surprised. Not saying it's going to, but I wouldn't be surprised. Ronnie, please fill us in about your website, how to get tickets, and all the rest. Absolutely. So we have 20 movies over three weeks. So there's plenty of showtimes to get to. You can go to dtreetheater.com or you can pick up a brochure at the ticket booth and you can visit visit our Facebook page or our website for more information on any of the movies, the showtimes for the specific films. And there are still tickets left for opening night if you want to just pop in. And the Dietrich Film Festival opening nights are special. It's absolutely not just two back-to-back films. You get one film, Boys in the Boat, um, but beforehand you get a hors d'oeuvre tray from TNC Grill, which is one of the restaurants in town. You get uh, wine and beer from Nimble Hill, which is one of the local breweries, uh, wineries. And then after the first movie, you get, I believe it's going to be a cupcake dessert, but I'm not at liberty to discuss that right now in the middle and then you watch the second film so it's more than just movies but it's also a little bit of what the town has to offer and then a little bit of camaraderie in between ronnie harvey general theater manager and film booker at the dietrich theater in tunkanic speaking about winterfest 2024 20 films in 21 days february 16th through march the 7th The opening night features The Boys in the Boat, and then the second is The Holdovers. For more information, on the web, dietrichtheater.com, dietrichtheater.com, D-I-E-T-R-I-C-H-T-H-E-A-T-E-R.com. The theater is located at 60 East Tioga Street in Tunkhannock, and Winterfest lasts from February 16th through May 7th. There will be four chances to see Joan Baez's I Am a Noise, the documentary, as part of the festival. My poetry was lousy, you And Maestro can be seen starting February 17th, that's this Saturday, at 7 in the evening, and there will be seven chances to view that film. Winterfest 2024, February 16th through March 7th at the Dietrich Theater, 60 East Tioga Street in Tonkanic. For more information, dietrichtheater.com. Dietrich Theater.